Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome to City Church. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us today. That was the bumper for our new series starting after Serve Sunday called Starting Point, and I'm so pumped. I just want to give you a little teaser because I'm so excited about it. So everything has a starting point, right? Even you guys. Every, everyone has a starting point. Some of you on purpose, some of you less so. It's a joke. Okay, all right. I'm funny. You'll, you'll catch up. It's okay. But everything has a starting point. But, but like, let me just kind of give you a little bit of commercial, right? Not everything starts off well. Would you agree? Right? Like, you ever been on a vacation that just didn't start off on the right foot, right? Or a trip in the mountains that you got lost on? Or, right? like, and when it comes to faith, like, even though everything has a starting point, maybe for you, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but everything has a starting point. Sometimes it starts well, and it gets messed up in the middle. Sometimes it doesn't start well at all. Sometimes you were with somebody on that trip, and they messed it up for you, right? You've been there? Point fingers, right? We're ready to do that. But the point is that there's a lot of things related to our spiritual journey. And when it comes to faith, I just want to kind of put this in your ear. Um, just because something doesn't start well or something got interrupted in the middle or, or you know, it's had its problems, it doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for a restart. And so when it comes to faith, I just want to give you like just some things to chew on for yourself. Like what if I told you that, that you had a chance to kind of start over in the faith conversation? Like to start over, like, like clean slate, no baggage, just there was a start over, like a redo button. Or if, you, if you're like not sure where you are in your spiritual journey, like you're not really sure what you believe about Jesus or where the church fits in or like, you know, if this thing is for you, if you're just kind of on the outside looking in trying to evaluate what you believe and why, uh, maybe, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, you know, I've never started the faith thing because of X, Y, and Z, and you might have a number of reasons, and they're probably good reasons for what it's worth, of why you haven't started it. But what, what if I told you that maybe where you've been trying to start is part of the problem? That maybe there's a better starting point than where you've been trying to start. You guys with me on this? So that's the series, man. It's going to be so helpful. Eight weeks, kicking off the week after Surf Sunday. By the way, uh, the QR code that you saw on the screen for Surf Sunday is going to be in the lobby as well. So if you missed it, you can grab it out there. The sign-up link is there. It's going to be an amazing day where we serve our city in a lot of different ways. If you missed that or don't want to grab the QR code, you can also circle the letter S on your connection card um, to get plugged in that way. But man, we are so pumped to cancel our services and serve our city together. And quite frankly, listen, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey today, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. And that's true of Serve Sunday as well. And so uh, there's, there's a normal kind of process of tons of my neighbors and friends that don't go to City Church are going to come and serve the city with us because it's an awesome opportunity to make a difference together. And so, man, just keep that in mind as we get closer to that day that we would love to have you serve alongside of us. Now, today, we are in the last week in our series on 1 John, the book of 1 John. Holy moly. I know we got a lot of new guests here. I'm grateful for you guys being here, by the way. But we have been in this series for 13 weeks. And everybody's like, please, just get us out of this book. Every Sunday, it hurts my feelings. I'm done. John 
Now he's like Grandpa John, okay? So I don't know if you got, you know, grandpas in your life, but like Grandpa John, he's older. He's like 80 to 100 years old. He was Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet, and he's writing the letter of 1 John to encourage early Christians who are having some struggles, who are having uh, um, some false, false, false? Truth? That's hard to say. False truth thrown at them. And he's been writing this letter to encourage them in their faith. And we are wrapping up that series today. And so how many of you know, like, I don't know if you're like this, but for me, you know, when you're trying to wrap something up, that's when you get really long-winded, right? You got all the important things to say at the very end. Well, welcome to today's service. Buckle up and get comfy because we're going to be, I'm just kidding. I have a timer in the back and we're only allowed to be here for a certain amount of time. So we will get through this. But I am so pumped as John concludes his letter today. And he's going to give us like five different things to kind of close out five reminders from John from the book of First John as he's been walking through it again Jesus best and closest friend trying to get us back to the heart of Jesus so I don't know where you've been exposed to faith religion church all that stuff but we would say that Jesus does not invite us into religion he invites us into a relationship we're not religious people we're Jesus people and John is emphatically trying to point us back to Jesus like drop all the baggage all the assumptions all the bad and false starts that you've had all of the baggage that you've had from your personal life all the baggage that you've had from other people who acted religious and then misrepresented Jesus. He says, yeah, just get rid of all of that, and let's just look at Jesus. And if we can get to Jesus, he said, that's a really, really good place to start, and that's where he's going to end his letter today. Now, before I get into it, I just got to build a little bit of context. Last week, he gave us this really cool picture that because of Jesus, it allows us to understand how we relate to God. And, and again, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, so, so chew on this for a second. Your personal view of God, wherever you walked in today, your personal view of God dictates how you relate to him. Right, like if you think God is a judge, or he's this mean landlord, or if, you know, he's this just big grumpy guy in the sky, or, you know, God is, you know, just an impersonal force. Like, whatever you think about God determines how you relate to him. And, and John told us last week that Jesus taught us to relate to God as a father. And not just a father in the sense of maybe your personal experience on this planet, but as a good and perfect father. And if you and I can understand God as this incredible father who loves us, who wants to be involved in our lives, who has done an incredible work for us so we can have a relationship with him, when we understand God as a father like that, it changes how we relate to him. And so last week, John gave us these big ideas that, that because of Jesus, we, we can know God as Father. Because of Jesus, we have a family. Right? We just sang that song, and I love that song. People coming from all over, like, different walks of life, and I get it. Like, listen, if you're a guest here, you're, like, newer to City Church, and you're coming in, like, it takes a ton of guts to walk into a new place and to, like, meet new community and try to, you know, figure all that out. Well, listen, you are, you are totally invited into this family, and we're so glad you're here, man. We, we love you. We're for you. We want to help you no matter where you are on your spiritual journey and connect you to community, but also just know that you're invited into an imperfect family. You hang out with me long enough, and I'm going to say something stupid. I might even do it today. You're welcome, <laughs> right, just for you, but, but right, like, man, you, you have God as a father. You're, because of Jesus, you can, you're invited into family, and because of Jesus, we, we can have freedom, so that's where he started last week. Now, today, he's going to get into uh, he's going to set up kind of a court case idea, okay? So imagine, like, there's a trial and a jury, and you've got to bring in witnesses. You've ever been there? Anybody done jury duty before? Right? Not fun. But uh, in this case, it'll be fun, okay? I promise. <laughs> uh, um, but but he's, he's kind of setting up a court case scenario, um, and he's going back to Jesus because, again, it's always about Jesus. For John, it's all about Jesus. Like, you get that figured out, everything else works itself out. But don't worry about the other stuff. And so now he's going to kind of bring some witnesses into the room because part of his letter has been that there's these guys saying, hey, Jesus is a good man, but he's not the God man. Like, Jesus is a good teacher, but he's not a savior. Sin is not the problem. Like, Jesus didn't really die for your sin, and you don't really need any help, and you can be your own personal self. Like, there's this whole other message going on 
people who have left the church and now they have their own thing and they're you know, super popular on Instagram and they got their own movement and they got their YouTube channel going and everybody knows what's going on and John is writing to say, no, 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 Jesus is legit, okay? So that's the first point today. Five reminders from John. Number one, Jesus is legit, okay? John really wants you to know you can trust Jesus. I tried to have like a fancier way to say this. I couldn't, okay, guys? I like, like this is it. This is the best I could come up with. Jesus is legit. And for John, he wants you to know like, hey, you can trust the person and the work of Jesus. And listen, this next series, we'll, we'll deal with it a little bit today, but this next series is way better than the Bible says, because the Bible says blah, blah, blah. Like, like, listen, it's not, you don't have to land on that. It's way, way better than that. We're looking at eyewitness historical narratives, specifically John, who was his best and closest friend, believed, unbelieved, saw him die on a cross, lost all hope, saw him three days later, had breakfast with him, gave him a hug, right? I mean, I mean, that whole thing rose from the dead. I mean, John was there for all of it, and he's writing saying, hey, listen, Jesus is legit. So let me just give it to you, okay? Here, here it is in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 6 through 9. He's talking about Jesus. Again, he's just revisiting the same thing. This is he, Jesus, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, right? Courtroom language, you guys got that? Bringing the solid witness to testify, right? He says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit, he's talking about the Spirit of God, is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, which we do, right? We, we rely on eyewitness accounts all the time, don't we? Right? If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is even greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Anybody's head hurt? Yeah, me too, right? Welcome to like up till midnight trying to process all of this. It's so heavy. But let me give you a couple of things, okay? Christianity is about a lot of things, but can I just give you the very, very simple version here? The main thing is Jesus, okay? It's about a lot of things, but the main thing is Jesus. We say it over and over again. Jesus is the hill we die on. Jesus is the one we follow. It's always about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. Everything going on in your life that you're trying to figure out, the answer is Jesus. And that's not the cheesy, like, you know, little, little bumper sticker answer. That's like the real live answer. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Um, I don't know, again, like, like your view of, of, of church and Jesus and religion and the Bible and all that stuff. But for us, everything in the Bible is equally true, but not everything is equally true clear. Is that fair? Like this right here. Anybody like, huh? <laughs> right? It just hurts my brain to read it out loud. I'm going to be totally honest with you, okay? And, and I'm like, why did we go through a book? Why did we go to First John over the summer? Like, there was a lot of better books we could have picked. I'm just kidding. All right, but uh, right, everything is equally true, but not everything is equally clear. And so let me just help you understand like, how, how we approach this at City Church. Where the Bible is clear, we're clear. And where the Bible is less clear, we want to be more humble. Okay? That makes sense to you? And so, so I'm going to give you some help today um, that, that we want to submit to the scriptures. We want to submit to God's word, right? We don't want to, we're not on it, okay? We don't stand over it and telling it what it should mean or say, but rather we are humble. This is my pretend Bible, okay? <laughs> yes, with me. Uh, we want to be humble, but, but uh, in this moment, what we're looking at um, is some challenging things. And so you ever had a knot in your shoe? Like one of those knots, or like a knot in a string that you can't get undone, or a knot in a necklace or whatever? Like this is one of those knotty passages, that is funny. Guys, naughty? Okay, all right, man. Oh, my gosh. I am so funny today. Okay, it's okay. Lots of disagreement here, lots of disagreement here. Um, here here's the deal. These are one of those paths. Sometimes you get to stuff that it's just not clear, okay? And I'm going to give you the best that I can today, but here's what I want you to understand. There's lots of really good answers into the interpretation of this passage, but they're all about Jesus, okay? And so I'm going to tell you what I think, but I need you to understand I could be wrong, and that's okay, 
because it's still about Jesus. And then because this is a secondary, not a primary issue, or like a, what we call an open-handed issue, not a closed-handed issue, it's not as clear as some other things, then, then you can disagree with me and we can still be friends. <laughs> You're like, are you sure? Yeah, for sure, right? In fact, you could be right, but I'm gonna tell you what I think, okay? Three things. He's saying, hey, we got three witnesses to help you understand that Jesus is legit. It's water, blood, and the spirit. Are you ready? Number one, I think water, what he's talking about is Jesus' baptism, okay? Jesus is 30 years old, perfect son of God. He's not just a good man. He's the God man, and he's showing up on human history. He rolls up to the Jordan River. His cousin John there is baptizing people, and Jesus rolls up, and John sees him, and John says out loud, testimony, eyewitness, okay, this whole whole scenario, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Out loud, he says this about Jesus. Jesus shows up and lets John baptize him. John's like, I don't know if we should be doing this. Jesus is like, do it. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. You're Jesus, I'll do it. And so Jesus gets baptized. I need you to understand, Jesus didn't need to get baptized uh, um, you know, be- because there was something incomplete, but rather Jesus is baptized in order to identify with us. This is amazing. That Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. God sends Jesus to the earth to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise again like we can't, to give us new life and a relationship with God. And so Jesus is baptized, identifying with us. What's amazing is when you and I trust in Jesus, he then invites us to get baptized after that moment. And what that is, is us identifying then with Jesus. Okay, it's a really cool picture. And so as Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. You can go read this in, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all in there. And, and you can read this story. But Jesus comes up out of the water, and God from heaven says, This is my son in who I'm well pleased. And everybody heard it, right? And so John is saying, hey, listen, if you were there that day, there was this incredible moment. Like, I don't know, you know, how you're going to deny it. We're looking at testimonies. Is Jesus legit? Well, a giant voice from heaven before there's PA speakers is pretty impressive, okay? Right? We're just saying, like, whoa, okay? And so John says it out loud, and then as Jesus is baptized, God, the Father from heaven, confirms it out loud. You guys with me? He said, hey, that's a pretty legit, but in case you're not convinced, if it's not legit enough for you, he says it's also the blood, And speaking of Jesus' crucifixion, that Jesus literally dies in our place for our sin. And and we say it quick, like Jesus died, right? We have this idea, Jesus died on the cross, and you just kind of say it quickly. But we don't slow down and think about this incredible moment in history where the God-man takes our place, not, not just as a good example, but literally a substitute for us. That he's beaten within inches of his life, literally blood is being spilt, He has a crown of thorn pressed into his skull and blood is dripping down his face. He is crucified to a cross in the most sensitive nerve centers of the body, the hands and the feet, hanging there suffocating and dying for the sins of the world. And John is standing eye to eye with Jesus, watching all of this. And he's saying it's in this moment that you and I can understand not only the love of God, but like... like, you might not know this, but we get our word excruciating. Like, we didn't have a, a word, like, good enough to describe it. So literally, the word excruciating that you and I use comes from, from the term from the cross. It's that heavy that Jesus went through all of this, not, not, not just as a good example, but again, as our substitute. That the wrath of God is poured out on the Son of God so that you and I can receive the grace of God and become children of God. You guys see, I mean, this is amazing stuff. He says, man, listen, if Jesus' baptism isn't legit enough, then what about him dying on the cross for the sins of the world? What about the reasons that they put him up there, that he was claiming to be God, all the things that he did, and then he rose again three days later. And John was there, and he said, I saw it all. This is not the Bible says. This is John was there. And the last thing he says is, is uh, uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. 
And again, he's saying, like, all three of these sing the same song. You want to know that Jesus is legit. There's a couple ways that you can know, and the, the Holy Spirit plays a role in that. Um, and, and I'll just give it to you really quick, okay? Um, the first one is, like, the life of Jesus. So if Jesus was God, but he limited himself from, from all of God's attributes to live like you and I, then how did he live a perfect life? Like, how did he live the life that you and I couldn't live? And the answer is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God gave him the power to be able to live that life. And so John's saying, look at the life of Jesus and tell me it's not legit. Not only was it supernatural that he lived a sinless life, but then he also had supernatural components, right? He like went water skiing without a boat and, you know, fed a bunch of kids with a, a little kid's lunchbox and like, or a bunch of people, 5,000 people with, you know, a Long John Silver's meal. And, and you know what I mean? Like, like Jesus did some supernatural turn water into wine. My favorite miracle. Okay, all right. Um, just saying. He says, man, look at the life of Jesus and tell me it's not legit. But then he doesn't stop there because the Holy Spirit didn't just play a role in the life of Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Holy Spirit also inspired Scripture. And, and Scripture just means sacred writings, by the way. And so when we're talking about the Bible, you can use lots, lots of different language. But the current Scriptures as we have it, the Bible as we know it, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that, that it's God-breathed, that God used normal men and women, he influenced them through the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the scriptures that we have. And so the Holy Spirit uses that to give us testimony, to give us witness to these truths. And the last one is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'll give you my story to help you relate to this, okay? Um, I, I didn't grow up in church, didn't, didn't grow up around the church, kind of honestly thought it was boring and like been a few services and didn't really connect and I just, it wasn't my thing, you know? And I, I, I think I believed about Jesus maybe, like I was kind of agnostic, maybe like, okay, God's existing and be a good person, don't kill anybody, go to heaven when I die. You know, I kind of had like maybe some of that, but Jesus, church, all that stuff, the Bible, not my thing, okay? Uh, I, I knew about Jesus, but I, I would not say I loved him by any means or even, I don't even know if I believed in him, okay? 15 years old, I find myself around some people that said they loved Jesus, had a relationship with him, and, and they had something I'd never seen before. Like, like it was something different. You guys with me? Like, like, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it. You're like, okay, these people, like, really believe what, what they're talking about. And I wasn't there for that. I was, I was chasing a girl <laughs> in high school, right? I was only there because her dad wouldn't let me see her anywhere else. So I'm dating this girl and going to church. But then by default, I'm around some people who love Jesus, and they're loving me, and every week I'm hearing about Jesus and that God loves me and sent Jesus to die for me so I can be forgiven and have a relationship with them. And I hear it, and then one day, guys, I, I can't explain it, but one day it just clicks. 15 years old, a month before my 16th birthday, I go home on a Wednesday night. I heard about it over and over and over again. And I go home, and again, I know about Jesus, but all of a sudden, something in me says, I need Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And so at 15 years old, I have no idea how this works. Never read the Bible, never prayed really. God, man, I, 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 think, I'm, I think I believe in this. Like, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose again. And like, I want a relationship with you. What, like, the best that I, I could articulate it, I prayed and asked God to save me. And guys, that night he changed everything in my life. And it just clicked in a moment. I went from knowing about Jesus to loving Jesus, right? Religion says, hey, do all these things to make God happy. Do all these things so that hopefully it works out good for you. And I don't want to do all those things. You guys with me? You're like, I don't, I don't, there's nothing in me that wants to do all those things. All of a sudden, I give my life to Jesus and all the things I didn't want to do, I'm starting to want to do. I'm like 15 years old. I don't read a book on a good day, barely for school, and I'm picking up the Bible and reading it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Right, and I'm praying, and I want to go to church, and I'm telling my parents and my brother and all these people about Jesus, and I'm like, what is happening? You know, and it's amazing what Jesus did in my life in that moment, and all I can say is the Holy Spirit took the truth 
the good news of Jesus and then made it click with me in that moment. And some of you, you have either experienced that or you're experiencing it right now to where the truths of these words landing on your heart and you're like, I don't have that, but maybe I need it. And I want to encourage you, man, that testimony, that witness inside of you is the Holy Spirit of God saying, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's made a way for you. This is amazing that Jesus doesn't just make us better. He makes us new. He makes us different, okay? That's the testimonies that he gives. Now watch this, verse 10. He goes on. And he says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. He's talking about the Spirit of God. So the second you give your life to Jesus, you receive the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Lots and lots of words to say it's all about Jesus, okay? It's Jesus. What you believe about Jesus matters. No one's gonna force you in that. No one should force you in that, but you wrestling with it for yourself is what matters here. And he's saying, man, it's all about Jesus. Wrestle Jesus to the ground and everything else will work itself out. Now watch how he lands this. Verse 13, look at this. He says, and I'm, I'm writing these things. This is John's heartbeat, guys. I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Can I ask you a question? Man, do you know? Do you know that you have eternal life? And you're like, well, what, what does that mean? Listen, let me, let me explain eternal life to you. Eternal life is very simply life lived with Jesus. Eternal life is not something that happens the day that you die. It's something that begins the day that you trust in Jesus, okay? It's not a one-day thing. It's a now thing. It's a now and forever thing. It's this amazing thing. When you trust in Jesus, it literally heaven comes to you when you trust in Jesus. That you don't just go there when you die, but you get to experience new life right now. Eternal life is not just a duration, but it's a quality of life that Jesus has for you and I right now. I need you to get it. Heaven is not, like, I know, I don't know, like, your theology and where you learned it. Like, Tom and Jerry taught me a lot about heaven and hell, <laughs> right? And it taught me wrong. I'm just gonna let you know, okay? But, but heaven is not just a place, it's a person. That the goal is not to go to heaven here in this conversation. The goal is to be with Jesus. And what makes heaven heaven is Jesus, okay? Wherever Jesus is, that is what makes it heaven. So Jesus is not only good for death. He's good for that, by the way. He's not only good for death, but he's good for every day. That's the point, to walk with Jesus, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. So I gotta ask you the question, do you have Jesus, a relationship with Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? It's not simple, it's not religious, it's a relationship that you choose to enter in in one moment in time, and it's the one thing that changes everything. It's the best news on the planet, and I don't want you to miss it. It changed my life at 15, and Jesus will do the same for you. That's John's point. Now watch this, not only is Jesus legit? But now, John's going to give us a couple of things. He, he, God wants a few things. You got that slide? Uh, um, there it is. So God wants four things from us once we kind of wrestle the Jesus question to the ground. So, man, if you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus, you've already started a relationship with Jesus, then here's some things that follow, okay? Number one, God wants to hear from you. God wants to hear from you. Check this out. Look at these next verses. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That is God as Father. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. He's talking about prayer and confidence. Let me, let me ask you a question. How's, how's prayer life for you? What does prayer look like for you, if you pray at all? 
Like, what's it look like? Do you have confidence in, in making requests of God? He's saying, man, because of Jesus, we can have a confidence in praying to God. I, I've got two little kids, five and three, right? And they have a confidence in approaching me, right? They don't think about it at all. They, they understand the line of being respectful and not, like, interrupting in an inappropriate way. But at the same time, they have no problem charging up to dad and getting my attention. In fact, Asher is, like, this, like, recording, like, just record over, dad, 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 dad. Dad, dad, dad. And I, I, like I've already responded three times and he's still going. Dad, dad, dad. Asher, I, yes, man, you have my attention. He has complete confidence. Zero fear in approaching dad. He can come to me and ask whatever he wants. And he's either going to get a yes or a not right now or a no because that's not good, to you, good for you, right? Like last night, 8.30, he's like, can I have a sucker? You know, tomorrow. <laughs> it's not good for you right now. He has complete confidence because he knows that his dad loves him. You guys with me? John is saying, guys, because of Jesus, we can have confidence. God is a father who loves us, who wants to hear from his kids. And he says, we have confidence to come to him. And so in, in prayer, I need you to understand, like, we, we don't, we're, we're not praying to get God to accomplish our will. He's not a genie, right? But rather, when we pray, we're allowing God's will to become our will. And he, he tells us specifically that we can have confidence that we pray according to God's will, we can have anything we ask. So you got to ask the question, like, how do you know if you're praying according to God's will? Let me give you just some quick notes, okay? I don't think God's will is a tightrope, by the way. I don't think you're like, you know, woo, like not mess up, you know, fall off either side and God's mad at you. I think God's will is more like a highway. Okay, not the highway to hell, though. Highway, no. Uh, it's, it's like a highway. Wow, where does that come from? All right, got to stay on track here. And, and, and there's lanes, if you will, and, and if it's for God's glory and the good of others and, and you're good, like, like you're, you're, you're going to be in that lane, okay? And so how do you know you're praying according to God's will? Number one, scripture like we talked about, because it's influenced and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Literally, God wrote a book for you and me to help figure out his will. In addition, I, I would say wise counsel. People who love Jesus and love you. Listen, people who really love you. Not yes men, not people who are going to make you feel good about your decisions. Someone who really loves you is going to tell you the hard truth if you're about to do something stupid, right? You want those kind of people in your life, don't you? I need those. I have a lot of those people, actually. They say it all the time. But, you know, like, you need those people in your life that are going to love you well and give you the compassion and encouragement when you need it, but also give you the, the realignment and say, hey, this is not good for you, right? So you have scripture to understand God's will, you have wise counsel, and then you have the Holy Spirit asking God, God, what is your will? Some of you guys, you're trying to figure it out. God, what do you want? Do I need to be a part of this community? And what do you want to do with my life? What about my future? And what about my relationships? And what about my money and my time and my energy and my career? And right, you're trying to figure out all this stuff. And, and God's saying, I want to hear from you. And I want to help you with that. So not only does God want to hear from you, but the next thing that, that John tells us is that God wants to help you help other people. Check this out. This is unique. This is starting in verse 16. He says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that don't lead to death, I'm sorry, sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I don't say that one. <laughs> you should pray for that. It's so funny. Um, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Anybody else's head hurt? Okay, this is one of those other naughty places in the scripture, okay? Like lots and lots of confusion and disagreement. Again, when the Bible's clear, we're clear. When it's not, we're going to be humble. Um, I, I think, if I'm just going to give you my personal opinion, what I think he's talking about, um, this sin that leads to death, he's talking about like rejecting Jesus, right? The, his opponents in this, in this letter, the people that he's writing against, right? They're saying Jesus is not God, you don't need Jesus, sin is not a problem. And so I think he's talking about a spiritual death, that, that life apart from Jesus is spiritual death. That only Jesus is spiritual life. That's what I think he's talking about, but the bigger point here 
is he's actually talking about praying for others. You see this, look, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, and by the way, this is, this is motive, thought, action, okay? You ever seen, seen someone do something stupid, and you're like, that is not good for you. You ever give him advice, and then no one takes it? Like they ask for it, and then they still don't do it? You ever done that? You get frustrated? He's like, hey, you see someone committing a sin not leading to death, what do you do? Well, you ask, you pray for them, and God will give that person life. So cool. So what, what does he want to do? He's saying, hey, God wants to help you help others, and it starts by praying for them. That, that in this space, have you ever felt a burden for somebody? Like genuinely, you care, care about somebody, and like maybe the decisions of the past, whatever's going on in their life, and like your heart's just heavy for them, that your mind's heavy for them. What he's inviting us into is to pray for them. That not only can you have confidence for yourself in prayer, but you should have confidence towards God to pray for others. That while prayer is not the only thing you, sh- you should do, it's the first thing you should do. That prayer is this incredible opportunity to take the burden that you have and to put it on God. That you're not meant to carry that burden, but you can give it to God to help them. And it also serves as a lightning rod, by the way, because sometimes we start to carry this burden for other people so long, and some of you are super helpers, right? Two's on the Enneagram carrying everybody else's burden, right? And, and you just are, are super helpers, and so you feel everybody's burden, you carry all their weight, and John's saying, that's not for you to carry, go give it back to God. And what happens is if you carry someone's weight too long, what do you do? You get bitter, you get frustrated, you get angry, you get irritated, especially when they don't take your advice, right? You're like, I told you that would happen, and it happened, and I don't want to say I told you so, but I just do, right? And you're like, I'm trying to be like Jesus, but I can't right now. So what do you do with all that? He's like, man, you need to give that to God. You're anxious, worried thoughts, your frustrations. You go to prayer, and here's what's amazing, is that prayer is like verbal processing with God. Anybody verbal processors in the room? It's basically how I preach every Sunday, (laughs) just getting it out. Verbal processing, right? And, And prayer is like verbal processing with God. And what's really helpful is like, you ever been in that place? I need to talk to somebody. You just need to go vent. God's like, talk to me. Talk to me. You ever vented to somebody and then ended up hurting somebody as a result? Right, this is what's amazing. Prayer is the only safe space that we can gossip <laughs> and, and not, not be unloving towards somebody else. Prayer is the one space that we can take our frustrations and it's safe and it's loving. And by the way, when you pray for somebody, that's one of the most loving things that you can do. And here's what's amazing. Prayer also invites the Holy Spirit to do something you can't, right? Because most of the time, you're praying for things that you can't change, right? You, can't, you don't know someone's heart. You don't know their motive. You can't change their behavior. You can't do it. It's not on you, right? You get frustrated with your spouse or a friend or a parent or a coworker, your you know, teacher or you know, whatever is going on. You, can, you can't change them. You can't influence them in a heavy way, but you know what? The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit knows. And so you invite the Holy Spirit into it. Okay, he goes on. Not only does he want to help you help others, but in addition, he wants to help you change. This is, this is interesting, okay? Because Jesus doesn't just want you to like, you know, trust in him and then go live your life. It's walking with Jesus every day. Check this out. He says that we know that everyone who has been born of God, he's talking about that relationship with Jesus that starts through trusting in him, makes us spiritually alive. Everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son Jesus and he is the true and eternal, or he's the true God and eternal life. He's saying, hey, listen, God wants to help you change. He's talking about this disconnect. There's people that say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and they don't live like it. Some of you have been really, really hurt by religious people who are somehow unloving and it's disconnected from like, I don't think Jesus would do that or say those things or act like that. And he's like, exactly. Because when you meet Jesus, he changes you. I need you to understand, there's like guardrails, okay? It's like different but not perfect. 
I gave my life to Jesus at 15, and I'm different today than I was a year ago or 10 years ago, but I'm not perfect yet. And so there's this walk with Jesus of every day becoming more like him. And so John's point is you can't meet Jesus and not change. And this is not meant to be, don't, don't get like stuck in your head like, oh no, like, you know, this is not about checking the boxes. Some people change really quick and in big strides. Some people change over the course of time. Some people change and then they drift and they come back. Like, that's all on your own personal journey. But if you can take stock of your life, look back on your life and say, what has changed in my life because of Jesus? He says, he says that's part of the confidence that you can have, that God wants to help you change and to give you the power to overcome those frustrating things inside of you that are not helpful for you, that are not loving towards others, not honoring toward God. He says, I want to help you with that. He's a good dad who loves you. My kids, I love my kids. There's some stuff in them that is not great, okay? There's some stuff in their dad that's not great. That's the problem with me. <laughs> um, but I love them enough not to let them stay there, right? I want to teach them to grow in love. And God wants to do the same for you. And here's the last thing. Daniel, why don't you come up, man? The last thing is not only does he want to help you change, but God wants you. And guys, if you don't get anything else, I know this is a lot of downloading. Blame it on John, not me, okay? But if you don't get anything else, get this. God wants you. And if you're going to do it in priority, it would go the other way around. It would start right here that God wants you. Check this out, verse 21. This is how he ends the letter. How, how, how interesting, look at this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The end. Goodbye, Grandpa John. What a weird, what, what, like, right? Like, that's it, John? Not I love you, not you're awesome. <laughs> keep yourselves from idols. Okay, great. What, what, what's that about? Listen, let me, let me help you just real fast. An idol is someone or something at the center, center of your life other than God. And we all have them. You and I were created on purpose, for a purpose, by a loving God. And we were created to worship God, to have a relationship with God, to walk with God daily and intimately, and to let the overflow of that love relationship impact the rest of our life. You and I were created to worship God. And idolatry is when that worship gets misdirected. Right, we're all worshipers. You don't, you don't have to use that language. and You don't have to go to a church to be a worshiper. We all worship something at the center of our lives, the things that we pursue, our functional heavens that we're chasing after. I can get that thing, that relationship, that career, that job. You fill in the blank. If I can just get that, then I'll finally be satisfied. I'll finally have a heaven on earth. You and I chase functional heavens all the time. And John's saying, listen, your heart was made to find its home in God. So the question is not, are we worshipers, but rather, what or whom are we worshiping? And typically what happens is an idol is something that starts out as a good thing, a gift from God. And then we elevate it to a place of worship and it becomes a bad thing. And God says, listen, I have something better for you. And here's what's amazing. is John circling back around to the exact thing Jesus told us to do. This is the reverse, if you will, of what Jesus told us to do. And that's to love God and people. Jesus, you want, you want to know what it looks like to follow me? You want, you want to know what it looks like to have a relationship with God? Just love God and people. Forget everything else, because everything falls underneath that category, loving God and people. And when we love God and people, idols don't have a place. John Calvin says that the human heart is an idol factory. 
that you and I are constantly looking for a functional heaven to get us out of our functional hell. It's singleness, looking for a relationship. It's married, looking for kids. It's an upgrade in our promotion. It's a little more money. It's a bigger house. It's a better car. It's a little more peace. It's a little more relaxation. It's a little bit of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. You know, like it's, it's, it's all of these different things. And we're like, if I can just get that, it'll save me. And what happens is we have a functional heaven and a functional hell that we're living in. And then we find a functional savior. And we say, that, you will save me from my hell. And then they don't. And then we crush them under the weight and we destroy our relationships. And we, we burn ourselves out chasing anything and everything to satisfy what only God can satisfy. I can't remember who said it, but he said that, one of the theologians said that, that um, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. So here's the question, how, here's how we're gonna end. How do we keep ourselves from idols? These things that hurt us and hurt others and dishonor God. And the answer is very simple. It's Jesus. It's, it's always been Jesus. It's Jesus today and tomorrow. And the next day, you worship Jesus and idols don't have a place. Think about this. Listen, when I worship Jesus, worshiping sex doesn't have a place in my heart. When I worship Jesus, worshiping money doesn't have a place in my heart. When I worship Jesus, worshiping a GPA doesn't have a place in my heart, right? If I have Jesus at the center, then marriage and kids and a new job and, and, my, and a promotion and a house and, and, and alcohol and drugs and substances to make me feel better and experiences and comfort and pleasure and health and my lifestyle and having control and having power and having influence, all these things that I think I need to get my hands on. When I worship Jesus, they don't have space to be the center of my life. Here's what's amazing. When Jesus says that at the center, you and I can experience freedom. Freedom to enjoy the things that he's given us and freedom to love the people around us. And if we don't, then we use things and we use people to serve us. So Jesus is saying, let me help you. God wants you. And he's already made a way. Jesus came as the sacrifice, the substitute, the payment to buy you back into the family of God. God has made a way for you and all you have to do is respond. And so friends, if, listen, if, if you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus, I would encourage you, do it today. Trust in Jesus today. Receive new life today. Start that relationship today. And then based on that relationship, let it overflow into the way that you pray in the way that you pray for others, into the things that you are struggling with. Ask Jesus for help to change. He wants to help you and walk with you. Guys, listen, we are all about daily intimacy with Jesus here. There's not a magical message that you're gonna get. There's not a super, you know, vial that you get to, you know, plug in. I mean, literally, you want the life Jesus promised, you walk with him every day. That's all it is. And it's accessible to you and I.